Recording another podcast from LinuxCon Europe Cloud Open, and I'm joined by Chris Wright from Red Hat. Now, Chris, you've been over here talking about Open Daylight. Introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Chris Wright. I'm a uh, I'm the direct director of Software Defined Networking at Red Hat. So I'm here talking about Open Daylight and looking at integration with OpenStack. Now, we were both over in Portland in May for the OpenStack Developer Summit, which was just absolutely stacked with people who were actually doing, deploying, and provisioning. It wasn't your usual computer conference. These were people who were actually using it. I remember day one at the conference, one of the guys from Rackspace stood up and said, you know, put your hand up if you've committed a line of code into OpenStack. And like 1,600 people put their hands in there. You can't do that at VMworld. But, right. I, but, but the, the whole ethos and the drive, I mean, you look shattered. I think you've just been ill just before the, before the summit. But I came away from that absolutely shattered from the show just because it was three days of hard work. We'd had the RDO launch. Right. And there was a lot of open daylight stuff going on. And the guys from Ceph were there and Canonical, et cetera, et cetera. And it was weird to see how open daylight and also heat became really the rock stars of the show. Well, I think there's two big issues with uh, building a cloud and managing your infrastructure, your applications in the cloud. And heat helps you do all of the templated deployments of, your, of a complex application. Yep. So that's solving a real need that people have right now. And then the next piece is on the infrastructure side. How do you, how do you actually manage your virtual networks uh, coming and going at, at a speed that doesn't really match legacy network management systems. So uh, the the OpenStack Neutron project is 100% focused on that and things like Open Daylight, which can plug into that project, uh, become really interesting really quickly. But so much stuff now is done via a configuration file, an SDN that was done by physical bare metal hardware back in the day. Do you think then that the, the CIO has to now start thinking about his network topology a little bit smarter than he ever did before? Well. Already the CIO has seen different pressures on the network. So typically a legacy architecture is multi-tiered with an expectation that traffic is passing primarily north to south and mm -hmm. it's exiting the network and coming down to terminate on a single server. Now with, with cloud and, and virtualization, you have a lot of traffic passing east to west internally in the data center. So they're already trying to build their fabrics to accommodate for that level of, of east to west traffic. The next step is how do we actually manage that and how do we dynamically adapt to the the applications that are migrating and moving around and coming and going in, in across that infrastructure. But if we look at the food chain of OpenStack, I recently sat down and did a podcast with Mark McLaughlin and he started then going on about underclouds and overclouds and triple O right. and you know, this stuff is moving at rocket pace. It really yes. is. Even since Portland, you know, looking forward to Hong Kong, there have been so many commits and so many changes. Quantum's become neutron. You know, people are starting to understand exactly what OpenStack means to their specific need, whether you're a, a, a managed hosting provider thinking about standing up a public cloud, or maybe just using OpenStack as part of your heterogeneous cloud platform. You know, OpenStack is now starting to get the recognition it needs, and Open Daylight's a huge chunk of that. It's, it's a big effort to take on how do, we, how do we redefine managing networks. And part of that is integration with the existing infrastructure. There's, there's a legacy component. How do you manage uh, switches and routers that don't have, say, for example, open flow support? Yeah. Um, and differing, differing application or, or differing deployments of something like Open Daylight are satisfying different levels of requirements. So are you really just focused on managing your physical fabric infrastructure? Or are you focused on building the virtual topologies on top? And within Open Daylight, we see a lot of the, uh, the excitement about the project is that it, it 
is able to span those different applications or different kind of deployment domains. Do you think Open Daylight, though, potentially is introducing a new element of risk as well? Because traditionally you had governance risk and control over bare metal hardware. You could actually have a mandatory access control or an access control around a router, a switch, or a firewall. Are we having to redefine those again in, in, in Open Daylight? Well, you, you absolutely need to take care of how do you manage your, your infrastructure. So we have the ability to do authentication, authorization uh, at the controller level. Uh, it's not unusual to see people build a sideband management network infrastructure mm -hmm. so that you can guarantee that the traffic that's on that network isn't visible to any of your application workloads. I don't think it fundamentally changes the security concerns, but it is something that you have to be aware of. And, and as Open Daylight, as a project, is certainly considering all of those things. But what about management tools for Open Daylight? Is that still too early in the cycle? Or? It, we're, we're pretty focused on the infrastructure. Yeah, so sure. management tools will build on top of those. The, the controller itself comes with some notion of, of UI and configuration, uh, but really it's about getting that infrastructure in place and then what are the applications are that we can build on top. One of the issues that I think a lot of, um, not necessarily Red Hat customers, but a lot of um, cloud providers, these telcos and internet service providers who stood up their iteration of cloud 1.0, they went out to VMware and said, we want a cloud. VMware came in, gave them vCloud, vSphere, whatever. Um, and now they're starting to realize that maybe that was a bum investment. Maybe they should have just thought about doing it openly and transparently because at the end of the day, customers wanted to be able to consume catalog service items. And OpenStack gives you that ability to at least pick and choose what you need, but to be able to deploy it at your own, at your own ambition, at your own pace. In general, building your infrastructure out of open source components mm -hmm. gives you the ability to, to leverage a community effort that's focused on building that infrastructure from a variety of different endpoints. When you're when you're consuming that directly from a vendor, what's your voice into that process? Exactly. And uh, so, both OpenStack and OpenDaylight, they're the premise, the fundamental premise is, we can harness the the energy of a lot of developers coming at the problem from a bunch of different perspectives and build something that's more generic and solves more problems and has you know there's a there's an economy of scale there that's pretty pretty awesome and pretty hard to uh, as a with. as a c complete curveball in the early 1990s there was a Kevin Costner film called Field of Dreams if you build it they will come and I think that's what a, lo a lot of the early cloud providers did mm -hmm. they went away and they built this architecture presuming people would just come to them without understanding what they would be consuming and how they would move those application workloads to cloud. And I think now, especially um, with the OpenStack Foundation, having you know the, the, the members like HP uh, uh, and Rackspace and Red Hat, we're all able to shape the direction of where that's going much better. Indeed, and we're doing the same thing with, with Open Daylight, where we're trying to build both some structure around the project and uh, a very low bar to entry for any any open source developer to come and contribute, but also take guidance from you know r really what do users want and users may be represented by by vendors like ISVs like like Red Hat or or network equipment providers like Cisco and Juniper, but um, the the goal is to build a good input cycle so that we're actually solving problems that people actually have as opposed to just building something that exactly. we think is cool yeah, 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 exactly. and they will come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I remember going out to the Nordics um, about three or four years ago with Red Hat and seeing the early cloud providers out there in Helsinki and Finland and in Sweden. And they all had their own take on what self-service meant. It was some Perl front-end or PHP front-end for allow people to log in to be able to build their components. And I was just thinking, there's got to be a better way of doing it. And OpenStack's come along, and it, it gives us that ability to go out there and do it faster, better, and quicker. 
Uh, yeah, and our, our goal in, in the Open Daylight Project is to dovetail into that infrastructure. So we recognize that OpenStack is building a huge community and a lot of momentum. And one of the pieces, one of the problems that needs to be solved is the networking component. And we plug right into that. And we're trying to satisfy um, those needs, give users the ability to, to part of self-service is allocate resources from mm -hmm. a big pool. And one of those resources is the network. And that's what Open Daylight's there for. If you think about what Red Hat's contributing to um, OpenStack, I mean, you've got the likes of Dan Boranger with Libvirt, you've got Steve Hardy and the guys doing all the cool heat stuff. Mark putting all his commits in you. That you know, we really are making an effort not to muscle in, but to actually do something for the common good and to actually move this forward with maturity. That's something that Red Hat is is really good at. We we understand how to get involved in a project and not just top down guide it, but from the trenches, bottom up, get in get in there, build the build the community, improve the code, solve our customers' needs, and as a byproduct, we're we're advancing the state of the art of the project. I stuck a microphone recently in front of Brian Stevens, which is never really comfortable with me doing. But I sat down and talked to him about his take on the whole ethos of, of, of both Open Daylight and OpenStack. And he was very, 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 very open, honest, and transparent mm -hmm. about Red Hat wants the OpenStack Foundation to succeed because it's the egos are checked at the door. You're there to solve the common problems and be part of that, that ambitious step towards cloud. Not many CTOs will do that. I have to say, I really like Brian. I think that's one of his, his amazing strengths is his ability to um, lead our organization and generate that kind of transparency and openness, which is really a mirror of the communities that we're trying to be involved in. Mm -hmm. And it's it's something that, it's one of the reasons that Red Hat is really strongly involved in Open Daylight is to build that credibility for the project. And mm -hmm. we believe in, in the mission that Open Daylight is, is trying to solve. And we believe that building that openness and transparency into the project at the core is a critical piece of making that project successful. Now, VMware spent a huge amount of money on the acquisition of a company beginning with N that we won't name. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, very often merchant acquisition activities, people want to buy something because they're going to benefit from the, the, the acquisition of that technology to their stack. But I think Open Daylight has had such a march and such a um, a groundswell around it that it's maybe eclipsed even what they they'd achieved. I would love to see that, and on a certain level, I mean, what we'd like to do is is be able to re-implement a lot of the the functionality that that they're benefiting from from their acquisition in an open project. Yeah, uh, we're we're actually building on some of the foundational blocks that they've built openly, uh, and we'll continue to expand on that. And absolutely, it's how, how do you re-implement and 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 then further innovate in that kind of um, in an open way, sure. It, you know, uh, yeah. are you, are you going to be heading out to Hong Kong for the developer summit? I'm going to Hong Kong. Uh, very focused. So on your family never going to get to see you. Do you? You're going to be living on planes out of, out, of, out of airports. I'm. I I try to stay home as much as possible. Well, so. you're going to have to get like a day and a half before. Otherwise, you're going to be dead on your feet for the whole conference. You need to try and acclimatize when you get there. I have uh, some interim meetings to go to oh that's okay then yeah. you're fine the worst <laughs> thing is landing in asia and then having to go to a meeting at nine o'clock the next morning trying to be on top of your game it just doesn't happen at all especially when you're talking about intrinsically technical stuff like open daylight right chris thanks very much for joining me on the podcast and congratulations both on your new appointment at red hat but also on all the work you've been doing with open daylight thanks a lot